You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. So in today's episode, I want to talk to you about actually a really confusing topic, uh, and that is the idea of do you need to take antibiotics when you go to the dentist if you've had a joint replacement, what's commonly referred to as dental prophylaxis. So there's been you know, a lot of confusion um, over the years because people have gone, you know, back and forth and back and forth. So, you know, if you go back to guidelines, I mean, we're talking back um, 2003, there was a series of guidelines between uh, the AAOS, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery, and the ADA, American Dental Association. And what they found in 03 was that the risk benefits and cost effectiveness ratio failed to justify routine antibiotics. Um, then later in 2019, the Orth- Orthopedic Academy, the AAOS, came out with a statement saying that uh, due to the potential adverse outcomes and cost of treating an infection, they recommended you consider antibiotics for total joint replacement patients. Um, and then 2010, the AAOS um, came out and they had, or rather the the um, oral medicine board came out and felt that the 2009 statement by the orthopedists was more of an opinion and that they should follow the 2003 guidelines, you know, and this just kind of kept going on and on and on, you know, and then 2012, there was another joint group of orthopedic surgeons and dentists and they found the consensus sort of statement was that you might consider not using antibiotics, but they always grade these statements. So when they make a statement, if they say, you know, you should do this, and they can say that there's strong evidence to support that, or there's inconclusive. And when they said you might consider not using antibiotics, they stated that this was not a strong recommendation. Now, so why is this? I mean, why is there all of this confusion? And the problem comes down to statistical significance, meaning that, you know, if you flip a coin um, once, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting heads. Um, It doesn't mean heads happens all the time, and it doesn't mean, you know, tails will never happen. It's just you flipped it once, and there was a 50-50 chance. So infections in the U.S. are like less than 2%. And even of that 2% infection, even less, a super, super small amount are from the mouth. So if you said, okay, how many times do people go to the dentist and how many times does an infection occur after that visit? It is extremely rare, however, to do a study to prove that a group of patients having antibiotics and a group of patients not having antibiotics to see if there's a statistical difference. I mean, who knows? You could do the calculation, but you probably need a million patients or more. It's a huge, huge study. So this is where it starts to get, you know, confusing. Um, the more recent statement by the AAOS, um, and this came out 2016, uh, talked about the idea of prophylactic antibiotic therapy should be considered for certain patients. And these would be people that have um, HIV or AIDS, 
uncontrolled diabetes, chemotherapy, history of a joint infection, any rheumatologic patient that's on these disease-modifying agents or medications to prevent uh, rejection from a solid organ transplant. So we basically considered an immunocompromised host. And again, it's kind of left up to interpretation of is your patient you know, high risk or not? And that's where it's gotten really confusing. There was a study also done by the American Dental Association in 2013, and they found that if you did pre-dental antibiotic um, for all patients that had joint replacements, I mean, this could exceed $50 million, which is a lot of money. There's also a concern about antibiotic resistance. But also when you look at infections, there are studies that show that by 2030, the annual cost to treat joint infections in the U.S. will be $1.8 billion. That's with a B. So you have to take all of this into context um, and look at each patient individually. Now, I'm a joint surgeon, so you know I do joint replacements all the time. I see joint replacement patients all the time. In my career, off the top of my head, I was thinking of this, and I'd have to go back in our database and look, but I think I've taken care of three patients that have had an infection in a joint either due to a tooth abscess or following a dental procedure. And again, the dentist didn't do anything wrong. There are studies that show that when we eat, when we brush our teeth, we induce bacteremia. What that means is bacteria in your mouth, just from messing with your gums, that bacteria goes into your bloodstream. It's a small amount of bacteria. If your body's healthy, it sees the bacteria, it kills it off, not a problem. But if that bacteria continues to grow or persist, or it winds up in the area of a prosthetic joint, one may turn into two, two turns into four, four turns into eight, and now all of a sudden you have a joint infection. And what I explain to people, and this is where I've even explained this to dentists, you know, that say, oh, you know, the, my, your patients don't need antibody prophylaxis, the data doesn't support it. I'm like, no, no, well, there's data that really doesn't show one way or the other. Um, and for that reason, they've said, you know, we can't prove it. But I can tell you from experience, and if you talk to joint replacement surgeons, that infections do occur, and when we see Streptococcus viridans, which as far as I know is a bacteria that only lives and grows in the mouth, in a total knee or in a total hip, it came from the mouth and got there. And again, it's not that anybody did anything wrong, but it just shows that it can happen. And then I tell patients or dentists, you know, what actually happens? And a lot of them sort of believe, oh, if you get an infection, you just go on antibiotics for a week, right? No. So if you get an infection in your total joint, we have to, if you're lucky, get to it early, take you back to an operating room, put you back under anesthesia, go inside and wash out your knee, sometimes taking out the plastic, sometimes taking out the whole knee, sometimes putting in a new knee and then putting you on antibiotics for about six to eight weeks. And then most of the time, depends on the bacteria and the host, meaning the patient, how healthy they are, you know, chance of success of getting rid of that infection is about 70%, meaning 30% of people will still have an infection. And if a patient has a chronic infection, sometimes we have to go back in, take the implant out, put a temporary spacer in for another course of IV antibiotics, six or eight weeks. And then again, only if the infection's cleared, can we go back in and put another knee in. Some of those patients, if you can suppress the infection but not eradicate the infection, will go on antibiotics now for the rest of their life. And I think when a lot of patients hear that and a lot of dentists hear that, they're always sort of aghast, like, I, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea that if you got an infection in a total knee or total hip, 
that was what was involved in treating it. And that's where, you know, the big concern from the orthopedic surgeon and the orthopedic group has come down to because, you know, they say that the the balance is very, very tilted. And the fact that the the complication is so severe and such a big deal that you really can't take the idea of not using antibiotics because you can't prove that it happens all the time. You can't take that lightly. Um, so it was interesting, and it's not a scientific study, but you know we have a big online following orthopedic surgeons all over the world. And I kind of did a poll um, not too long ago because I was curious as we were talking about this. Um, and I just kind of polled the orthopedic kind of crew online and said, hey, who does not give antibiotics? Who gives antibiotics for two years? Because that's also something you'll hear about. Oh, I need it only for two years. And who does antibiotics in their patients for life if they have a hip or knee? And it was split. 25% of docs said, I don't prescribe it at all. 25% of docs said, I recommend it to my patients for two years. 50% of the docs said, I recommend it to my patients for life. So for me, I recommend it to my patients for life. And I tell them, there's very little data for me to prove um, that you need it, but I can tell you from experience that I've seen it. And when I explain to them what happens, uh, I tell them at minimum two years because we think that the risk is greatest in those first couple of years. And if somebody has a complication, let's say somebody starts to now have complications from this prophylactic treatment, they should not continue it long-term. Um, and you might have to stop after a period of time and say, you know, we did a period after your surgery and now we're stopping. But it's very difficult because they're not a clear gold answer that says, this is what you should do and this is what the risk is. But just understand, again, when you brush your teeth, that bacteria does go into your bloodstream. Now, the most important statement um, that I think you see over and over again in a lot of these guidelines, which is simple common sense, is the fact that you should maintain good oral health, which means that you should floss regularly, and you should brush regularly, and you should go to the dentist for checkups regularly. So if you do happen to develop a problem you know, with gums and gingivitis or a cavity, that you can address it and treat it right away before it develops a bigger problem, you know, forms an abscess, which would lead to a greater risk of a bacterial load to your system, which potentially could lead to a greater risk of infection. So again, I mean, I think this is probably going to create a lot of controversy, especially if there's some dentists listening. And I'll tell you, I'm not saying you have to take antibiotics. I'm saying what I recommend to my patients, because I believe it's the safest way for them to prevent a huge morbid operation or two, um, and the outcomes of those knee replacement revisions, if you get an infection, are far below the outcomes of a normal first knee replacement. You know, a lot of people have more pain, stiffness, and mobility, may be disabled the rest of their life. Um, and so far, I haven't seen in my practice patients that have had any significant untoward side effects from this intermittent prophylactic antibiotic when they go to the dentist that I recommend to my patients. That's what I would do if I had a knee replacement in. Now, in the future, we may have more data with statistical significance that would say, oh, yeah, you know, this is the risk in these groups of patients. Um, and then the guideline is out there that, you know, it's for the dentist that the patient, after a history and physical and discussion with the orthopedic surgeon, should decide, you know, whether or not they're in that group where they consider high risk, meaning sort of immunocompromised, and those are the ones that should possibly be considered for antibiotics. 
But I think it's definitely a decision that you should make with your um, orthopedic surgeon, you know, and have a good informed consent discussion if there's any concerns from your point as to whether or not you need them and what would be safe for you and now also understanding what actually happens if, unfortunately, you do develop an infection in your joint um, from any bacteria, but in this case, we're talking specifically about mouth flora or bacteria that live in your mouth. So in the meantime, make sure you floss, make sure you brush, make sure you stay safe. And thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. And until next time, stay safe.